Hello everyone. Thanks for tuning in again. You are again listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK geek science fiction, fantasy and horror podcast. This is episode 485, recorded on Saturday the 13th of May 2023 at 235518. In the revisit journal, let's recap for a moment. When I started this Doctor Who revisit, I was two years into podcasting. I started in 2012. I started the Doctor Who revisit in 2014. And from 2014 to 2023, I have so far covered almost... 19 seasons. That takes us from the year 1963 to 1982. That's a lot of Doctor Who. That is so much Doctor Who, in fact, that there are only seven seasons left. Fingers crossed, then, the end is in sight. When have I said that before? You know, I looked back in my show notes and I said that sometime back, probably in the first year that I was podcasting. I was guessing that it wouldn't take me too long to get through those. And then many years later, I'm still doing it. I do think we are nearer the goal now. Particularly because lately, my consumption of geek media has been low. I'm not even sure I can recall what I've seen of a geekly nature that I haven't covered in the last podcast. Because of so much more spare time then to do Doctor Who, I'm going to be doing more of these classic era Doctor Who revisits. Buckle up then, Whovians, because we should finish... Season 19 in just a few days. Although, as I've found out tonight, (laughs) doing show notes is fairly laborious. I crammed in a revisit's worth of show notes in only one day, and it has been quite tiring. If you are an old Who fan, this is going to be great. I know that this is the wrong idiom for anyone except me. (laughs) The end is nigh. This episode is going to sound different from the last episode because I've swapped microphones (laughs) yet again. I've swapped from the Shaw SM7B back to the Shaw SM58. Partly because I may be completely potty, but also because I'm not sure that the SM7B suits deeper voices, especially mine, because I'm both deeper voiced and essier. The S's can be quite sibilant, which goes against most of what the general thoughts are on that mic. Anyway, 
I'm back on the Shaw SM58, which may mean more editing, but hopefully it will have a punchier and slightly, at least, less SE sound. Uh, as I'm saying that, I can hear a lot of S's in my headphones. Yes, I'm monitoring as well tonight, after the recent cock-up, when an alarm went off on the computer and it recorded the whole thing. I didn't know because I wasn't monitoring, and also because I should have turned off sound input from the computer when all I was doing was sending a signal to my recorder through my mic. There was no need for sound from the computer anyway. Getting needlessly technical. This episode is also slightly later than expected. I expected to be recording on the 10th. It is now the 13th. That is because I went kayaking, and the kayaking does not suit me. In kayaking, you wear a boat. I'm more used to, or like, open canoes. But I thought I'd give kayaking a try, and man, everything hurt afterwards. Everything was stiff, painful. And then... (laughs) Oh, this is so stupid. There was some extra feta, or rather a feta clone from a supermarket in the fridge. And over the course of a day, I ate the whole block of cheese and it gave me really vicious diarrhea. At least I think that was a feta. And then I had a temperature. I don't know what that was all about. I don't know, maybe I had some bug. And today, or at least tonight, I've started to get a runny nose and I've been sneezing now and then over the past few days. My hypochondria says it's corona, but it's not. It's not even flu. It's probably some minor cold or something. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Still don't know the results of my MRI that I talked about fairly recently, but uh, there's just so much personal stuff going on. And as if all that isn't enough, I've also booked a motorcycle CBT the compulsory basic training that everyone has to do. And that's going to happen in June. In order to do that, I need a helmet, and I'm still trying to buy a full-face helmet. The last helmet I owned was a really terrible open-face black helmet from the 1980s that I used to use when I was riding my black Vespa 50 Special, and that was quite convenient as well, because I didn't have to contend with my stupidly proportioned jaw, which is a problem for me to fit into helmets. I've got a very strange jaw, quite Judge Dredd-like. The only modern type of helmet I managed to find was something from Bell, and I chose Bell really because of my experience of wearing Bell cycle helmets, which doesn't really translate into motorcycles, but I had to start somewhere. I wasn't sure what helmet to try. And it turns out that the Bell Moto 9 MIPS Adventure Helmet is the only brand and model that even comes close to fitting my 
man in the moon shin. Unfortunately, of course as an unfortunately, this is me, of course. At the time of writing, and now as well, only a few hours later, I have ordered my third helmet, as the last two had broken mouthpieces. What a pain in the backside. And not exactly reassuring that somehow in the manufacturing process the mouthpieces had been damaged. Yeah, you see, I told you I was doing something motorcycle-related. And please, don't tell me this is a midlife crisis. It's too late for that. This is an unnecessary stage of life crisis that I'm probably having. Ah. Okay, we have talked enough about me. Let's talk notes for this story. And this story is Black Orchid from 1982. The fifth Doctor is played by Peter Davison. His companions are Adric, played by Matthew Waterhouse, Nyssa, played by Sarah Sutton, and Tegan, played by Janet Fielding. Notable cast. Lord Cranley is played by Michael Cochran, a fairly prolific British TV actor. You'll have seen his face in many, many things although he's fairly young in this and looks quite different to how he looked later on. There is an Amazonian chief called Latoni, who is played by an actor named Ahmed Khalil. He was an actor from 1967 to 2014. His roles include an uncredited role as an Indian in The Devil Rides Out from 1968, and I think I can even remember him from that movie. We've talked about The Devil Rides Out, I think, in this podcast. Not quite sure. The film adaptation of the Dennis Whitley novel starring Christopher Lee as some kind of occult detective. And I think I remember Ahmed Khalil as one of the guests at this stately home. Lady Cranley was played by Barbara Murray, another prolific actress from 1948 to 1999. <laughs> For me, her most notable role was as Ammonia, in Frankie Howard's Up Pompeii film. She is very, very attractive, and you can see why she would be in that film. Ah. The director was Ron Jones. The writer, Terence Dudley, who was also the producer of Doomwatch and Survivors. Survivors, that excellent Terry Nation post-apocalyptic TV show post-apocalyptic in that it was after a global pandemic. It wasn't nuclear. I think it was a disease, some kind of plague strain. Oh, that was so long ago, that was quite a disturbing and quite an absorbing series. I don't think it gets the credit it deserves. 
The producer was JNT, John Nathan Turner. As for locations, uh, according to the special features on the DVD, one of the locations, the first one in fact, was at Buckinghamshire Railway Centre, an old steam train station that was bought by a volunteer group. I don't know if it's still around today. Maybe it's worth a visit. There was also filming at various locations in East Sussex and Worcestershire and BBC Television Centre, Shepherd's Bush, all in 1981. There was also stock footage used from the BBC children's TV series, God's Wonderful Railway, 1980. I remember it was a show about steam trains, but apart from that, I really can't remember what else happened. There were children in it. Well, of course there were. It's a children's show. Broadcast. This was Season 19, Serial 5, Story 120, following The Visitation, which we talked about in podcast episode 483. It consisted unusually of only two around 25-minute episodes and was first broadcast from the 1st to the 2nd of March, 1982. Again, an unusual broadcast schedule, one day after the other. Media. There was a Target novelization by Terence Dudley in 1986 that features some creepy clown cover art. It has a Harlequin in front of a TARDIS. There was a CD audiobook read by Michael Cochran in 2008. There was a VHS that was released along with a visitation in 1994, a DVD in 2008, and it was also released as part of Doctor Who The Collection Season 19 Blu-ray in 2018. Let us whiz on to some zeitgeist and tell you what was happening in the UK on the day of the first broadcast, the 1st of March 1982, and I really can't tell you anything at all. I do know that number one at that time in the UK was Tight Fit's Ludicrously Camp, though excellent The Lion Sleeps Tonight, which we've talked about before, because I had a copy of that single. Let's just glaze over that bit. And at number two was the brilliant Tony Basil's Mickey, which I really don't understand. It is quantifiably a better song than The Lion Sleeps Tonight. I don't know why it wasn't number one. In fact, it is so good that it's on my Roy's Wake Up mixtape that you can find on YouTube. Yeah, I've got a whole lot of playlists that I call mixtapes, and this is on the Wake Up mixtape. I was thinking of creating a playlist of all the songs that were number one on the first day of the first broadcast of each story. Maybe I'll do that. And now what I'm going to do 
is leave a little space here for an audio clip that I'll put in, I was going to say later tomorrow, but it is tomorrow already. And then I'll tell you what happens. I'm going to take a break here as well, as this does seem a convenient spot to take a break. And I need a break because my legs are going to break. Ah, so, so out of shape. See you in a minute. Anne Talbot, my fiancé, this is Nissa. How do you do? How do you do? The Black Orchid. Please let me have her. And hello again, I'm back. Had a sip of fizzy lime, watched a bit of YouTube, and man, there is a lot of New Who trailers for Shooty Gatwa's debut. All sorts of hints and little teasers of what's going to happen, and I'm avoiding them all. I just don't want to spoil the experience of a fresh new doctor. It's just so hard to avoid. So hard to avoid. Ah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot where I was for a moment. Okay. Hope you enjoyed that clip. Hope I will put together a good clip that you will enjoy. Let me tell you now what happens. An attack is in progress, and a woman resembling Nyssa sleeps fitfully. We see an Amazonian Indian guarding a tied-up body, struggling to free itself. The TARDIS arrives at a railway station in 1925. Tegan, inside the TARDIS, tells the Doctor that she no longer wishes to go to Heathrow to resume her life. She would like to stick around. When our friends exit the TARDIS, have a look around the station, and then just outside the station, they are greeted by a chauffeur expecting the Doctor. Almost certainly not this doctor, but a doctor. They drive towards the grounds of a mansion and find a cricket game in progress. The doctor has apparently been invited as a ringer and joins the game and quickly helps his team win. Their host, Lord Charles Cranley, invites them to a fancy dress party and they later discover his fiancée, Anne, is a doppelganger for Nyssa. Displayed prominently in the house is a black orchid, brought back from Brazil by plant explorer George Cranley, who is Lord Charles Cranley's brother. For the party that the Doctor and his companions have been invited to, the Doctor is given a Harlequin suit, and Nyssa is given the same dress as her double Anne, because Anne thinks that that would be a jolly jape. Someone sneaks into the Doctor's room while he is bathing, leaving a secret door open behind them. The Doctor follows, 
finds a dead body, while his fancy dress outfit is stolen from his room. The unknown figure wearing the Doctor's costume attacks Anne. When the Doctor arrives as Harlequin, he is immediately suspected. As the Doctor and his companions are driven away, he convinces his accusers to prove his innocence by showing them the TARDIS. They travel back in the TARDIS, only to find a fire raging at the house and Nyssa held hostage on the roof by George Cranley, mutilated by natives for stealing the sacred black orchid, but then rescued by the chief of another tribe. The Doctor reasons with him, and Nyssa is set free. When Charles approaches his brother, George falls and is instantly killed. As the Doctor leaves Lady Cranley, the mother of the two brothers, gives him a copy of her son George Cranley's book titled Black Orchid. And that's a brief potted summary of what happens. Let me tell you now what I thought. Potted, you see? Black Orchid? Ah, it's wasted. We find out that Tegan now no longer wants to go home, but wants to stay on with the Doctor. At last, she's finally figured out that having a career break from starting her job as a flight stewardess Maybe quite a cool thing to do, especially if your career break is with a time traveller who can bring you back to the time that you need to start your job. Well, in theory, because as we've found out, the Doctor is generally completely useless at piloting his TARDIS. The Doctor excelling at cricket is an easy feat for someone with his superior Gallifreyan physiology, and could really be considered as showing off. It's hardly a fair game playing against a robust Time Lord with two hearts. We see much the same behaviour in New Who's The Lodger with Matt Smith, who, as we all know in real life, played for Leicester City's youth team. The fancy dress dance scene is... Absolutely great fun. I really enjoyed watching the companions letting off steam. They all danced, even Adric somewhat reluctantly, as he was more interested in tucking into the spread, which is, I suppose, typical for a teenage boy. I was loosely reminded of the video game Maniac Mansion from 1987 and the US TV show Marblehead Manor from 1987 also. Those two things thrown into an Agatha Christie period whodunit. There's also a touch of The Relic, the book from 1995, and the film from 1997, with an acquisitive, interfering Westerner succumbing to the wrath of an Amazonian tribe. I was also reminded of Arthur Conan Doyle's The Adventure of the Creeping Man from the casebook of Sherlock Holmes. That was probably one of the first things I was reminded of. The Adventure of the Creeping Man was adapted 
for television by Granada in 1991 in Jeremy Brett's famous series. That story also features a crazed beast man stalking his manor house. The mystery is centred on the theme of mistaken identity and doppelgangers, both Nissa's and the Doctor's, and that's something I appreciated. As I've said so many, many times before, issues of identity and doppelgangers and weird, complicated backstories like that, films like Memento, all that stuff, really fascinates me. Yet again, we have the creepy clown trope. I say yet again because it returns after being used in the previous adventure, The Visitation, which had Harlequin-esque androids. This time, though, it is the Doctor who is made faceless and sinister by his Harlequin outfit. Concerning Latoni the Amazonian Indian chief. They aren't, at least, resorting to brownface this time, but an actor with actual brown skin. That actor is a chap called Ahmed Khalil, who is of my race, though, of course, frankly looks or sounds absolutely nothing like a native of South America. He does, though, portray Latoni with dignity and resolve. It's a role that isn't played for laughs. In conclusion, then, theft of sacred objects by acquisitive Westerners, ghastly mutilation, and tragedy aside... (laughs) That's a really big aside. It says in my show notes, I'm choking here. Aside from all that, there are steam trains, and the Charleston, and the Roaring Twenties, and a grizzly whodunit, what's not to like. Ooh, okay. Now let's move on to trivia. I've only got one piece, and that is just concerning the fact that this is a two-part story, which is very unusual, and those two parts followed one after the other, one day after the other. That was because, apparently, this was a bonus story thanks to some extra production budget. That's what I've read somewhere or other. In fact, I can't even remember where I've read this. Ah. And that is it. Those are my thoughts on the Doctor Who story from 1982 titled Black Orchid. Yeah, a nice short two-parter to ease me into this, let's say, mini Doctor Who Ultra Marathon. Yeah, I said at the top of the show I'm doing many more of these classic-era Doctor Who revisits to make up for a dearth of other geek stuff in my life at the moment. There is also the additional fact that Peter Davison's tenure is comparatively short, so in no time at all, we will regenerate to Colin Baker's Sixth Doctor. As they used to say, clunk, click, every trip, people, Whovians, puny humans, 
The TARDIS is coming in hot. Whew, so hot. Actually, I am feeling a bit hot right now. What's going on? My forehead's sweating. Very unusual. Oh, and also, if you have access to the show notes, if they're still available in the year 3000, the image that I used for the show notes for this episode is a publicity shot. It's not a shot actually from that story. And it is a picture of the Doctor, half in the TARDIS, wearing the Harlequin suit. In fact, the Doctor and his companions wearing their fancy dress outfits. Tegan and Nyssa are doing the Charleston. Adric's looking quite happy as well. That is it. That is all for today. My very ambitious plan is to watch the next story tomorrow, do the show notes and tape it tomorrow night. I'm not sure that's going to happen because I also have to edit this one. Uh, We'll see what happens. It is Sunday. There is really nothing to do. Maybe I'll manage to do that. But my legs are absolutely killing me now. I've got to sit down. So for now, that's it. This show is produced, presented and edited by me, Roy Matur, a writer. Matur is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMatur.com. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen. Recommend it to a friend or mortal enemy. Or click on the contact or support link on the website. As I always say, podcasters and YouTubers really depend on interaction with their audience. So please interact. With that, I'll just say thanks for tuning in. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK geek science fiction, fantasy and horror podcast. This was episode... God knows, I can't remember. Scroll up. 485. Recorded on Saturday the 13th of May 2023, but ending on Sunday the 14th of May 2023 at 004453 British Summertime. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye!